praise God. All right, this morning we're gonna, I wanted to minister to you on uh, prosperity. You know, there's this uh, big thing that goes around the Christian community on the prosperity gospel. And I'll be honest with you, I don't know what the, the prosperity gospel really is. I've heard it before, and people have asked, do you believe in the prosperity gospel? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, well, I don't believe in it. And so I started hearing what they're talking about. And I guess there's this idea out here that there's people that believe that no matter what, God wants you to be rich and famous and have money coming out of your ears which is not what I think the Bible refers to when he's talking about prosperity. But I do believe that God wants you to prosper, which is why I always get confused when I hear people talking bad about this prosperity gospel because I don't really know what they're talking about. I just know what the Bible says. So this morning I want to take some time and, uh, and look at what the Bible says about your prosperity, the plan that God has for you. And like I said, prospering does not mean that you're going to have money fall from the skies and that you're going to have cars and women and all the, the best stuff, you know. And, it, you know, prosperity is not about being rich and famous. You know, there's a lot of, uh, of uh, professional athletes or professional uh, or, or movie stars that have tons of money, but I can tell you they're not prospering. You know, they have everything that this world says that you need, but they're still not prospering. They're still torn up and they're, they have uh, problems with their emotions and they're depressed and they're still missing something. So they keep looking for other stuff and they find it in drugs and alcohol and, and, and all this stuff that, that even though they have the fiscal things that this world says that you need to be prosperous, they're not prospering truly. Because that's a, the worldly view of prospering. Prospering, you know, this this idea that uh, that having enough stuff to sustain you is what this world thinks that prospering is. And the truth is that it's just absolutely dead wrong. And it's not that you can't have stuff. That the the trick is is not letting your stuff have you. What comes first in your life is it is it the kingdom of God or is it your stuff that comes first in your life? You know, there's, uh, I was doing, reading some statistics on lottery winners on this, and, and did you know that uh, 90% of lottery winners go through all their winnings in less than five years? In less than five years. Almost 6%, more than 1 in 20, go bankrupt. And then 90% of them go broke after five years. You know, we think that money will solve all of our problems. I mean, how many of you... I've, I mean, I've thought it before, man, if I just had a little bit more money, things would be so much easier. If I just had, you know, I could get this and, this, and you know, we start thinking all this stuff that we could do if, if we had money. Like, money is going to solve all of our problems. Money is going to make it okay. You know, I think as, as churchgoers, you know, we talk about the lottery and, and we almost spiritualize. Like, oh, if I win the lottery, I'm going to... I'm going to give half of it to missions. I'm going to buy tons of churches and create orphanages. And we, you know, we have all this stuff that we talk about doing. And God's like, why don't you just honor me with the little bit that you have now? You know, I can do more with the little bit that you have now. Than if, I mean, you're doing nothing now. How do I know if I give you that kind of money, you'll take care of it responsibly? Or are you just going to blow it all on silly stuff? So the first verse I want to look at this morning is Jeremiah 29.11. It says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. Now the first thing is here, this doesn't say plans to put you on welfare. That's something that came, that came up after the Bible. That our, God's plan is not for you to, to live off the government. What he means for your welfare is I have plans for you to fare well. You know, it's to do well. And not for calamity. God doesn't have bad stuff for you. And he wants you to have a future and a hope. 
You know, this was uh, God speaking through Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah, to the exiles in Babylon. You know, they've been exiled to Jerusalem. They're being enslaved. They're being put to work. And this was, this was to give a people that had nothing hope, saying, God was telling them, I know you're going through a rough time now, but, but I, have, I have hope for you. I have a plan for you. There's a future for you. And it's not for you to be enslaved and destitute, but it's for you to prosper, to be, have a welfare, to fare well, to not be, uh, have any calamity on your life, but to live for me. You know, and, and it's this, this same promise extends to us. Even if you're going through a hard time in your life, even if things aren't going exactly the way you think they should be going, God says, I have a plan for you. I have a plan for, you to, for your prosperity, for you to be prosperous in my name. You know, and Paul is often used to refute the prosperity gospel. You know, we look at Paul's life, and, and Paul went through some pretty rough times. I mean, Paul was in prison, he was shipwrecked. You know, and, and he says that... Uh, that he was content and he knew how to be content in little, but he also knew how to be content in very much. So it's not that Paul never had, he never had, never had a lot of stuff. Paul wasn't always broke and, and living on the streets and going, I mean, Paul, if you read the scriptures of Paul, Paul worked while he was in ministry, and we'll talk about that later. But he says that he knew how to be content in little and in much. I think the secret to prospering in the kingdom is understanding that with God you have enough. You know, and God wants you to, to God's always going to make sure that you have a roof over your head. God's always going to make sure that you have food if you'll trust him. As long as we'll trust him, we're never going to be destitute. But we also have to understand that, that contentment is not about having all the best stuff, the coolest toys. And if any of you talk to me, you guys know I like, I'm an electronics guy. I like computers. I like video games and all that stuff. You know, I'm okay with that stuff as long as it doesn't control you. But that's not where I find my contentment. You know, if, if all that stuff were to be stolen from me tomorrow, I'd be kind of bummed out. But I tell you what, I would move on. I wouldn't be heartbroken. My life would not be over. And I think that's the important thing, because when we let our, that stuff rule us, you know, if your life is over because you lost your cell phone, you need to reevaluate what's going on. Because the truth is that, that storms happen, things happen. You know, you're going to have times in your life where stuff doesn't work. Maybe you lose your job. Maybe you, uh, something happens and you lose a vehicle, or your vehicle breaks down, or you have, you know, your, your AC goes out, so now you're shelling out all kinds of money. Sometimes it gets tough, but if we'll continue to trust God, he'll make sure that we'll be okay. He's going to make sure that you have a roof over your head and you're taken care of. And the great thing I love about this verse is I was reading a story about this, uh, this up-and-coming writer. And uh, this, this world-famous writer sends a note to his publisher talking about something he's written. And he says, and forgive me, I don't remember their names, but he, he says, you know, this is the, the greatest day of my life. And I'm like, why? He just called and mentioned something about you writing. I'm like, yeah, but this famous writer knows who I am. He actually knows who I am. And this guy was just ecstatic because this world-famous writer knew who this young up-and-coming writer was. You know, and in the same way, we should be ecstatic that God knows who we are. You know, we're, we're in the scheme of things, if you take a step back, God is way up here and we're way down here. And, and you know, uh, you know that uh, I think it was David said, who is man that you would even take notice of him? But the truth is, God takes notice of us. He has plans for us. And we should be ecstatic that he cares about us so much that not only does he know of us, but he knows us personally and has a plan for each individual. And he wants us all to prosper and be okay. And then in 3 John 1 through 2, 
It says, Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health, just as your soul prospers. This is a letter from John to Gaius, probably one of John's converts. And when you read this letter, he's talking to Gaius, saying that, uh, you know, I pray that in all respects that you may prosper, be in good health, just as your soul prospers. And a lot of people like to argue that this verse is talking about just his health. You know, it says, be in good health. You know, so he's, you know, oh, this doesn't mean that God wants you to prosper. This isn't, this isn't John praying that, that Gaius will be taken care of financially in that area. This is only talking about Gaius's health. But when I look at this, we know that when you get saved, your spirit has prospered because you've been given a new spirit, you've been made brand new. So salvation covers the spiritual area of your life. This isn't talking about spiritual prosperity because when you get saved, how many know that your soul cannot be any more prosperous than it is right now if you have Jesus Christ in your heart? I mean, you have the spirit, the life of Jesus inside of you. It can't get better than that. So we know he's not talking, we can know he's not talking about that because his, his, his spirit inside him is brand new. And then it says, uh, here just as your soul prospers. So your soul is your, your, your mind and your will and your emotions. That's that part of you that, that uh, you know, when you hear the thoughts in your head, you know, that's, that's you. That's that, that part of you that defines who you are and your character and your will, your emotions, all that stuff. And it says that that is prospering. So we know that guy says his soul is prospering. And why does that happen? When you get a new life inside of you, how many know that that's going to start changing who you are as it starts coming out through you? So now we know that's covered. His mind, will, emotions, that's all prospering because his spirit is prospered already. And then we start talking about health. He says, and be in good health. So health is covered as well. So we've talked about his health prospering. He's praying it as a separate prayer here. His soul is prospering. We know his spirit is prospering in salvation. So, so what is left in this all respects? That's everything else. You know, God wants you to prosper financially. He wants you to prosper relationally. He wants you to prosper in your health as well. But the truth is that, that God wants you to be okay. And if it wasn't the will of God for you to be fiscally and relationally and, and healthily prospering, then why would John pray for that for one of his disciples, one of his converts? See, the truth is that, that God wants you to prosper. God wants the best for you, just like we want the best for our children, those of us that have children. God wants the best for you as well. Now, with your kids growing up, John and Monique, what would you, if you could make it so that they were, never had a problem financially, would you? I know I would with my kids. If that was possible for me to somehow make them set for life and it wouldn't destroy their character at the same time, I would, I would love to do that. You know, and I think that's the same for God. You know, God's going to, if your character can't handle it, God's not going to let you win the lottery because it'll destroy you. But God will make sure that you're taken care of. And matter of fact, the disciples prayed that for their, for their disciples as well. And we should do the same. And I do the same for all of you. I ask God, you've heard me pray it up here, and every day when I pray for you guys, I just thank God that you have an abundance and every single one of your needs are met because that's what God wants for you. You know, it's not a, it's not a clever prayer on my part. I'm just repeating the word of God about you. That's a great, and on a side note, that's a great way to pray. You want to pray for somebody? Speak the word of God over their life. Then you know it's the will of God, and God is faithful to, to watch over his word and perform it. Amen?
And in Philippians 4, 15 through 19, it says, You yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, but you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent a gift more than once for my needs. Not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek for the profit, which increases to your account. But I have received everything in full and have an abundance. I am amply supplied, having received from Aphroditus what you have sent, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. You know, this is, this is Paul talking to the Philippian church. Paul, when he was out on his missionary journeys, even though he preached in Kirk, uh, Corinth and all these other places, they weren't supporting him. They weren't taking care of him. You know, but this church here, Philippians, was. You guys ever wonder why we do the missions offerings on, on the last night of the month? It's because that's the, you know, the pattern that we have for ourselves as a church. Because we want to be a giving church. We want, to be, we want to be like the Philippian church when Paul says that, you know, it's not that I, I need the stuff per se, but for, the, for your account, I'm thankful that you've been given that. I thank God that God will honor Living Hope Family Church in Miranda for what we do and what we give. We want to be a giving church. And we're always going to support missions. We're always going to support that stuff because that's what the kingdom of God needs is people that will invest in the kingdom and stand up for the kingdom of God. But this also applies to us individually. And I think that's the, the important thing here is Paul, who knows how to be content in little and content in much, is saying, you know what? I'm thankful for the gift. It met every single one of my needs. See, God was blessing Paul um, through this Philippian church. And he says, I have an, not only is, is everything in full, but I have an abundance. Paul was saying, you guys have done, done right by me. But he says, it's not the gift that I seek for you, but it's, it's the... the uh, uh, where's the word here? The profit which increases to your account. You know, the truth is that when you give to God, you're storing up profit in your account that, that you know, blessing is going to be poured out on you. The idea that you reap what you sow is an amazing principle of the kingdom of God. And everywhere else has grabbed hold of it too. You ever heard of karma? Yeah, that's just a fancy word for you reap what you sow. You know, it, God, God made it up first. So, uh, but... That, that profits to your account. When you give, God can multiply that in your life. But you know, at the same time, that when we hold back, when we, when we don't invest in the kingdom of God, we limit God's ability to make sure that we're taken care of in our life. You know, we will want for nothing if we will honor God. And I know that's, that's been so true in my life. And the great thing is, is that God's riches are limitless. It says... My God will supply all your needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I thank God that it doesn't say, My God will supply all your needs according to the riches of your employer. And if you work for a little employer, you're not going to do very well. If you work, I mean, that's not what limits God. You know, the Pastor Mike has always said, If God can get it through you, He'll get it to you. You know, if God can, get, can use you, He's always going to use you to, to increase His kingdom, and He'll continue to bless you. And it's kind of like, you know, do you guys remember the story when, when the, the widow was pouring out the oil and the oil never ran? She, was, she had her two sons who were getting ready to be sold into slavery. So she was told by the prophet to just get as many containers as you can. And she kept pouring and pouring and pouring and pouring. She filled up every empty container in the village. I'm like, wow, that's an amazing story. But there was still an end to those riches. 
Godrich is never in for you. There's nothing that's going to limit God to be able to work in your life if you'll only honor him. To understand that, we need to understand that everything in this earth is all his. In Psalms 50, verse 10, it says, For every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. If I were, and then it says in Psalms 50, 12, it says, If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine and all it contains. And then Haggai 2, 8, says, the silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. We're kind of seeing a pattern here that everything on this earth is God's. All the, the beasts in the field, all the food, everything in it, and all the money. But I thought all the money belongs to all the rich people in this world. No, it's God's. Everything is God's. And we're just stewards of what we give us, what he gives us. Um, as stewards, we're to take care of everything that he gives us. But I love these verses because... You know, it says, for every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. And in today's society, we operate in much bigger numbers. I mean, this, this cattle on a thousand hills, you're like, how many cattle can fit on a thousand hills? It doesn't seem like all the cattle. It seems like we have much more, especially in dairy farms. I mean, think how many cattle we have. That's not, but they understood in this time, basically, God saying, all the cattle. I mean, they didn't have a concept of all the cattle on a thousand hills back then. They didn't operate in the numbers that we have now. It's kind of like when, when Jesus told his disciples, forgive 70 times, seven times 70 times. And we're like, oh good, that's only 490 times. I can start checking off. Eventually, I'm not going to have to forgive anymore. But Jesus is saying, no, that means always. They didn't have the same concept of numbers that we had. You know, they didn't realize that in today's society, we'd have seven billion people on this earth. Seven billion people. But the truth is, when it says the cattle on a thousand hills, he's talking about all of them. That's everything. It's his. And then, I like think this is funny. It says, if I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine is all it contains. God's like, look, I don't need what you have. The truth is that when we offer the money to God, God doesn't need your money. It's to, it's to your account that he does this. He wants to bless you. You know, the truth is that if, you know, God will... will provide the money that he needs to get his will done. You know, the money will come from somewhere. The question is, do we get to be, have the opportunity to be a part of it? Do we have an opportunity to, to invest in the kingdom of life and touch people's lives? I mean, you're going to get to heaven one day and you're going to see the people that you had an impact and, and help them get into the kingdom of heaven. I mean, that's amazing to me to know that I can have a, a, a part in touching people's lives so that they can know the one true God and have eternal life and we do that in a number of different ways. You know, we talk, uh, uh, you know we're going to be talking financial stuff today a lot because we're talking about our, our prosperity. But the truth is that money is the easiest thing to give. You know what's harder to give? Your time. And God needs that too. You know, it's, it's, the truth is that, that what we give to God, whether it be our time, our money, or any of our resources, it's credited to our account. But it's not that he, he needs it. It's all his anyway. He just wants to see our faithfulness and our trust in him. And I think the biggest thing that, that we think when we see all this is we're like, what do you mean it's all his? I worked hard to save up money for this car. I worked hard to save up money for this house. What do you mean it's God's? If I didn't go work every day, then this house wouldn't get paid for and I wouldn't have it. And I think it's easy for us to get into that mindset. But as we're going to see later, it's God gives us the ability to work and make money. God gives us, I mean, even the fact that we, we get into these situations, I know this house is a total blessing from God, that we were able to, to get in at a time that this house that, that we're in here, that my wife and I own, uh, 
three years ago, it probably went for $450,000 three, four years ago when the economy, yeah, probably longer than that ago, but when the economy was up five years ago. And the, the, the one, there's a house down here that's very similar to ours that I know that when they bought it, they paid 450000 for it, and it's worth about what this one's house now, maybe a couple hundred thousand now. And, uh, you know, they're in the hole quite a bit. But I thank God that, that uh, he was able to get us into a house like this we would have never been able to afford. You know, if we would have had to buy a house at the, the prices they were five years ago, we'd be meeting in a much smaller room right now. I can tell you that right now. We'd have a whole lot less people in here. We'd be cramped. But, uh, you know, I thank God that he blessed us. And, 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 and even stuff that the devil meant for bad, this terrible economy, God used for good in my life and in your lives because we're able to, to be in this room. And I thank God because the truth is it's all his and he'll make it happen. He can make things work out for you. In Deuteronomy 8, 17 through 18, it says, Otherwise you may say in your heart, My power and strength of my hand made me this wealth. But you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who has given you the power to make wealth, that He may confirm His covenant which He swore to your fathers as it is to this day. You know, the gifts and talents that we have are from God. The, uh, everything that God's given us the ability to do is actually His blessing poured out on our lives. This is why when, when we work, when we go to work, we don't do it on demand, but we work unto God. We give everything as if we're working to God because he gave us the ability to make this wealth. Because God wants to make it quite clear that it's not you that do things. That's why the, the, uh, the, the, the Bible says that God uses the foolish to confound the wise because we want to make sure that, that he gets the glory and we're not taking credit for everything. But he says that I will give you the ability, the power to make wealth so I can confirm my covenant in you. God is going to confirm his covenant with you that you may prosper by giving you the ability to make wealth, or that you have a job, and a good job. And, and the truth is, it took me a really long time to realize this. And because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you a few things about myself, and I, I'm not saying this to brag, I'm actually saying in the end it's to my detriment, but when I went to high school, I graduated first in my class. Stuff like that comes easy to me. It's book stuff super easy to me. When I was in the military in basic training, I graduated first in my class there as well. Whenever I worked, I was always one of the top employees because I just went and worked hard and, and God's always recognized me in that. But everything really that I decided to put my hand to, I could just do. I mean, especially stuff that doesn't require, uh, like playing the guitar was difficult for me because I couldn't just read about it and learn how. But most things I've just been able to read about and I could do it and that stuff comes easy for me. And I don't say that to brag about myself because I recognize now that that was God giving me those abilities actually for a day such as this. God's giving me those abilities to, to write computer code and programs and do websites and all that stuff so that I could impact the kingdom of God. But I thought it was me, you know, and I didn't have to ask God to help me out on anything because I could just do it all myself. And then one day, God finally got, he was so patient with me for so long, too. And I just kept doing it all myself. And then finally, one day, God's like, all right, go ahead and give it a shot. Do it yourself. And my world fell down around me. I was having trouble in my workplace. I was having, my wife almost left me. You know, my, our marriage fell apart. My, my whole, we had to file for bankruptcy because now all of a sudden we didn't have money for the, like everything just collapsed around me. And then I began to trust God. 
I said, all right, God, I'll put you first. And I began to give my, my tithes and offering the 10% right off the top before anything else. Even if I, even if I didn't have enough money in the checking account to pay rent, God was going get, to get his because I was going to honor him. I decided to honor him. And my life has completely changed around. My marriage is stronger than it's ever been. I do well at work. We, we make the money that we need to do these things and also to, to do the extra stuff for the church. And, and it has, you know, I thought it was me for a while. But then I began to realize that it's God in me that allows me to do these things. But I would be careful, unless, you know, I, I say this, it's if you don't want to put up with the stuff that I did, just trust God now. It's easy. You know, it's, <laughs> I've said it before, but they say the last thing on a man to get saved is his wallet. And that's one of the areas in my life that I have the least, the, the, the strongest faith, I have the least issues in putting, putting trust in God for financial stuff. Because when everything fell, that's all I could do. And, and after a while, I'm like, it's working for me, so I'm just going to keep doing it. I'm going to keep trusting God. Because when I didn't, my world, was, it was a mess. And I thank God that when you're faithful to him, he'll be faithful to you. Amen. In Matthew 25, 14 through 18, it says, For it is just like a man about to go on a journey, who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability. And he went on his journey. Immediately the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them and gained five more talents. In the same manner, the one who had received the two talents gained two more. But he who received the one talent went away and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. How many of you in here would like to be entrusted with great riches? I wouldn't. Or maybe a, a lottery win, or some great inheritance. You know, how, I w- you know there's there's times that that uh, you know I would love to be entrusted with that kind of finances. But as I've grown in, in the faith and grown and understand what's, what God is doing, I understand that that we have to be faithful in a little bit before we're faithful, trusted to be faithful in a lot. The question we have to ask ourselves is, what are we doing with what we have? Because we are entrusted with resources and expected to do. To, to use them for the kingdom of God. God's entrusted us with what we have, and he's asking you, you know, what are you willing to do with it? Let me ask you a question here. This one was given five talents, and another one was given two, and the first one traded with them and gained another five talents, and the next one trained, traded and gained another two talents. Who did more? Anybody? Both equal, Exactly. You know, we look at this and go, well, he gained back five talents. He did more. No, he, he doubled. He 100% returned. And this, the second one, the same as well. God doesn't expect more of you than what you're able to do, but he does expect you to, to be faithful with what you have, which is why that if, if you make, <clears throat> if you make $1,000 a month and you tithe $200 a month, or if you make $10,000 a month but you only tithe $500 a month, even though the one that tithed 500 is more money as far as a, a straight count, the one who gave 200 out of 1,000 gave more, because they gave 20%, whereas the other one only gave 5%. You know, the truth is that, that God's not looking at you for a specific dollar amount. It's, it's, it's that percentage. It's that, you know, what of, of your life are you going to give to him? And, and financially, you know, he only asks for 10%. Everything else he wants 100. <laughs> in that area, you know, the rest he says you go ahead and use for you, but 10%. You know, the truth is these two did equal, but it's this last guy who did nothing. He took what he had been given and he just held on to it. He didn't do anything with it. And we'll see what happens with him.
And in Matthew 25, 19 through 24, it says, Now after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. The one who had received the five talents came up and brought five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I've gained five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You are faithful in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of the master. Also the one who had received the two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted two talents to me. See, I have gained two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You are faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of the master. And the one who had received the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed. You know, how much that they get in return was irrelevant to the reward. You know, the one that gave five talents, it says, uh, enter into the joy of the master. And the one who was entrusted two talents, he said, good alone, good and faithful slave, enter into the joy of the master. They were both faithful and little and were faithful given more things to be faithful with. You know, they, they were treated equally even though they had different amounts. And it's the same in our lives. But the one that had the folly, he had a problem. The one that didn't do anything, it says that, Master, I knew you to be a hard man reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. You know, this is a, uh, an illustration that Jesus is using describing the kingdom of heaven and the people in it. And the problem with this guy is, is he didn't know who God was. He misunderstood who God was. He thought God was a hard man reaping where he did not sow and gathering where he scattered. He didn't know who God was, so it scared him, and he hid the money because he was afraid God was going to do something bad to him should anything happen. Whereas the other ones understood that God was faithful, and that if they gave back to him, that he would trust him with more. There was a difference in who they thought their master was and, and what they did because of it. Understand that God loves you and he wants nothing but the best from him. You don't have to run and hide from him and, and gather all of your stuff to protect yourself from him because he loves you more than you can ever imagine. And the next thing we need to recognize is that with greater success, God is going to continue to give us more. And when we are given more, more is expected. How many know that this guy with the five talents, as he was given the, his ten back to invest, he needs to now do the same thing with that? You know, it's, it's more is expected when more is given. You know, sometimes we all want more and more responsibility for the position, but we don't want the responsibility part. But the truth is that when God's going to continue to give you more and more as he trusts you and blesses you because of your faithfulness and your trust, more is going to continue to be expected from you as well. Amen? And in Matthew 25, 24 through 29, we're going to continue the story. And then one also had received the one talent, came up from the master and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. And I was afraid. I went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. But his master answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy slave, you know that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to put my money in a bank, and on my arrival I'd have received my money back with interest. Therefore, take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has more, who, everyone who has, more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But the, from the one who does not have, even what he has shall be taken away. So, you know, we continue the story, this guy that just didn't know who God was, and God's like, well, if that's who you thought I was, why didn't you at least do this? But you didn't even do, do that. You didn't even put my money in a bank if you 
But if you would have known who I was, you would have done like the rest of the slaves. However, because you've done this, I'm taking away. You, you know, when, you, when you, you don't honor God, not only do you not get blessing, but, but oftentimes what you, even what you have is taken away. You begin to, that's what happened with me as I began to honor, not honor God. I thought I was living the life, but what I had was taken away. And a lot of times you see it in the lives of these, these, these superstars and movie stars that have all this money, and then we find out later that, that uh, everything is taken away from them. They lose it all. They, they get involved in drugs. I mean, how many stars do we see today that have just, they're just falling apart? And it's, it's, the money is not saving them. The money, I mean, we've seen what's happening in Miley. Have you seen what's happening in the news with Miley Cyrus and the, dumb, the, the crazy stuff she's doing? I mean, she's got money, but she doesn't have any. That's all she has is money. Everything else is falling apart around her. The truth is that, like we see in the story, though, when he had that talent taken away and given to the one with ten, you know, the one that was faithful received more, and he had his stuff taken away because God couldn't even trust him with that. You know, I pray that a nobody else will have to do the job that God called me to do. Because it'll get done. When God wants something done, it'll get done. But man, if he called you to do it, I just, I just thank God that I'll always be able to do what God called me to do so somebody else doesn't have to. You know, and the, and the truth is that if, if we'll be faithful, God will use us to do great things. But if we won't be faithful, you know, he's going to give it to somebody else to do. I mean, if you, were, if you were going to and had a financial advisor and you're investing your money with them and they keep putting it in the wrong stuff and they keep, you know, they're skimming some off the top. I mean, how long are you going to keep that financial advisor? Or are you going to give them the boot and go find you one that's going to do a good job? In the same way, God is going, to, is going to do the same with us. If we're not faithful, his, his will, His purpose still has to be completed. Somebody else will do it. But I thank God that if you are faithful, He'll keep pouring more and more into you. Like I said before, if God can get it through you, He'll get it to you. Amen? So in 1 Corinthians 4.2, we learn that, that we're stewards. It says, in this case, moreover, it is required of stewards that one be found trustworthy. A steward is a person who manages another's property or financial affairs. One who administers anything is the agent of another or others. A person who has charge of the household of another, buying or obtaining food, directing the servants. You know, stewards are the, most, are the second most powerful and influential individual after their master's. You know, if you look at medieval times when you had the steward of, a, of an estate, they had all the power answering only to the master. We find out that Joseph, who was, who was in Egypt, he was the, the, the vizier, he was in essence a steward of Egypt. He was the, the second most powerful person in Egypt. And how many know Joseph had some nice stuff? Joseph wasn't worried about anything. He had food, he had gold, I mean, he had everything. But we know that Joseph was faithful to God. We know that Joseph was a hero of the faith. We know that Joseph was used by God mightily, and he had some nice stuff. You know, we look at at the people that God uses um, who are faithful to him, and and we always find that they're proud. I mean, Moses was loaded. And Moses did find, I'm sorry, Abraham. Abraham was loaded. But Moses, you know, had everything that he needed too. I mean, God literally, for the, for the, the Israelites, then poured manna out of heaven so that they had everything that they needed. Moses wasn't lacking for nothing, nor any of the Israelites at that time. Abraham was just incredibly rich. He had more stuff than, than anybody that you can imagine. 
because he was faithful to God. And he never took it as, look how powerful I am. He always honored God with his, with his finances. And because of that, God blessed him incredibly. You know, we ask, why do we need to be trustworthy with the stuff that we have? It's because when you're in charge of someone else's stuff, you have to be responsible with it and take care of it as your own. Just like if you were to entrust, something with some, entrust somebody with something of yours, you would expect them to behave that exact same way. So I just thank God that, uh, that we will continue to be good stewards of God's, of God's resources, whether it be his t- time, finances, I mean everything that is his, that we will be good re- our stewards. In Luke 16, 10 through 12, it says, He who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much. And he who is unrighteous in a very little thing is unrighteous also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the use of unrighteous wealth, who will entrust the true riches to you? And if you have not been faithful in the use of that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? You know, this principle is, is, is found in the world, too. You don't find people giving uh, the head of multi-million dollar companies to people who haven't been faithful, who haven't been faithful in a little bit. You know, if, if you haven't proven your character and your ability, if you haven't shown that you can do the job, they're not, you know, they're not going to just give me, I'm not going to be able to go take over Microsoft tomorrow. You know, they're not going to be like, yeah, we'll just give you a shot and be the leader. You know, I'm not going to be replacing the head guy in Apple anytime soon. Because I, haven't, I, haven't, I don't have a track record for that. You know, I can't be trusted in that because I haven't shown anything. And the same thing is true in the kingdom of God. You know, if you want to be entrusted in something, it applies to ministry as well. You know, if you want to get involved in ministry, you have to show yourself faithful in the little things first. You know, and I, I've told you guys before, I thank God that, that uh, the, the members of this church are incredibly faithful. And I'm so thankful for that. You know, anytime we do something, everybody's there. They're always there. And, and that is just amazing to me, and I'm so thankful for that. But that's, you know, that's the requirement. Faithful people are, are worth more than their weight in gold, but talented people are a dime a dozen. You know, and, and I just thank God that we have a church full of faithful people. And then the last question that I ask as we, as we look at this is if, if we are not prospering, if we're having trouble, ask, ask ourselves, what are we doing with what we have? And I'm not talking short-term stuff. If you're going through a rough patch, that may not mean that you're not, offering, uh, not honoring God. The truth is that we're going to go through storms in life. But ultimately, God will make sure that you're taken care of if you're honoring Him. And now we get to the four-letter word, work. In Proverbs 14.23, it says, In all labor there is profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. And then we read in 1 Thessalonians 4, 11 through 12, it says, Make it your goal to live a quiet life, minding your own business and working with your hands, just as we instructed you before. Then people who are not Christians respect the way you live, and you will not need to depend on others. If you want to prosper, you have to work. Now, what I, what I mean by this is that that you have to be willing to do what's necessary. You know, you're not going to be able to sit on your butt and wait for God to send, you know, the, a golden platter out of heaven with everything you need. The truth is, in verse 10, right before this, Paul was telling the Thessalonians that if they don't work, they don't eat. Well, you know, basically, you have to be acting in part of that. And, and it's, it's to the best of your ability. Obviously, if there's, there's situations going on, it, it, then that's, that's something different. But if you have the ability to work and you're not willing to, if you're just being a deadbeat, that's a problem. And truthfully, people are watching. It says, 
minding your own business, working with your hands, just as we instructed you before. The people who are not Christians will respect the way you live, and you will not need to depend on others. And this is a New Living Translation for this one. But it says, people that are not Christians will respect the way you live if they see you being honest and working. Christians should be the most sought-after employers in, in any organization. Matter of fact, they should be able to put a list, are you a Christian? Yes. And that should be like an automatic hire if you're living right. Because that means you're going to work hard, you're going to do right, you're going to honor God in all that you do. And in doing so, you'll honor them. Matter of fact, that the blessing that is poured out on you will actually begin to, to leak over into their, to their business. Because God's blessing, like with Joseph, with the, when uh, Joseph was a slave, his, his master's household was blessed because God was blessing Joseph. In the same way, your places of business will be blessed. And it's, and it's not so much about what you're doing either you know that's there's people that have you know really high blue collar or uh, white collar jobs are not uh, are not better than the person that's that's digging ditches as long as you're willing to work you know we have this idea that there's there's certain jobs that are better than others and i imagine in some respects they are for as far as like physically on your body but as, as far as the kingdom of god's concerned as long as you're willing to honor him no matter what you do how you're doing it god will honor you amen and the sad part is, is this is definitely not the, the mentality in today's entitlement-minded uh, world. You know, the, we live in a world today where, where children are, are being raised, and truthfully, the government's raising all its citizens to say that you are owed everything. Now, I want to be very clear that I'm not against us helping out people that are in need. I'm not against people that, that, need to, that are in positions that they really need help. I'm not against that. I think it's a great thing. Matter of fact, as Christians, it's something that we stand for. We take care of people that need it. We take care of widows. We take care of mothers. We take care of, of those people that need help. But on the other hand, there are so many people taking advantage of the situation, the system, saying that, oh, because I can, I'll get it free. You know, uh, the government says that I'm owed this. This is the mentality that we have today, but that's not the mentality of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God says that... that uh, we will work and we will not need to depend on others. We'll only depend on God. Amen. In Acts 20, yikes. In Acts 20, 35, it says, In everything I showed that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak and remember the word of the Lord Jesus, that he himself said, It's more blessed to give than to receive. You know, this is a spiritual condition. Being a giver, it's because God was a giver. God gave his only son for us. And as a result, we should want to be givers as well because that's the, the pattern that God made for us, that we see Him, we see our Father, and we want to be like our Father. Just like my son wants to be like me when he sees the stuff that I do, he wants to be like me. In the same way, we should be, want to be like Jesus. We want to be like God because it's more blessed to give than to receive. And because of that, God will be able to prosper us in our giving. Because how many know that if you don't have, you can't give? Right? <laughs> I mean... If you ain't got two, two quarters to rub together, you're not helping somebody else. It's just it's not going to happen. You don't have it. But if God can trust you to give, he'll get you what you need. You know, people, God's looking for people that are focused on him and focused on others and not focused on themselves. And the truth is, I think we've all experienced that, even something as simple as, as a birthday gift or a Christmas gift. I mean, how awesome is that when you give a gift and you see the look on their face and that appreciation and you realize that you've touched somebody's lives? You know, and that's, that's what all of our focus should be on, touching other people's lives. 
In Malachi 3.10 it says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, so that there may be food in my house. And test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. I know we're going over a lot about tithing and stuff, and don't worry, we've already received the offering today. We're not going to do another one, so you're safe. So uh, just uh, take this as what it is, this teaching, and, and, uh, and hopefully just grab a hold and get a revelation of what God has to say about this stuff. But this is the only scripture in the Bible that God says, test me in this. Matter of fact, everywhere else it says, don't test God. But in this, God says, test me. Bring the whole tithe. And what is the tithe? The tithe is 10%. It's the, the, the first tenth of the, off the top, the first tenth of your offering, or of your labor, the first tenth of your fruits. It's, it's off the top. Matter of fact, the government doesn't even tax you until you've given out your contributions, your, 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 your uh, religious contributions. And if the government can let that come off the top, I think that we can understand that that comes off the top before anything else. And God says, test me in this. See if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. You know, we cannot outgive God. There's no way that we can, we can outgive what he's trying to do in our lives. The more you give, the more he'll give you in return. And I thank God that he's faithful from, in this. And I think you'll talk to anybody, any, any mature Christian, you know, that has, that has ever asked the question, how can you afford to tithe? The answer is always, how can I afford not to? Amen. Luke 6.38, it says, Give, and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. You know, you reap what you sow. We set the bar for our prosperity and blessing. If we're unwilling to bless, if we're unwilling to give, then we limit God's ability to bless us in our lives. He says, by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. Now, what that means in simple terms is we'll think of a bag of flour. And if you use a quarter cup and you scoop that out to give to people, that's your standard of measure. That's your idea of giving. And you'll never receive more than, than what your standard was. But how many know if you're just tossing bags of flour to people, that's a much bigger standard of measure? In the same way, that's how God gives to us. When we give uh, in, in that way, when we set our standard, this is what we're willing to do. We kind of set what God's able to do for us because His Word says, by your standard of measure, it'll be measured to you in return. But I thank God that when He does give to us, it's not equal. It still says that He will pour it into our lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. I still thank God that, that He's always doing more than we are able, able to do to Him. We'll never be able to outgive God. And He will continue to be faithful in this. In 1 Timothy 6, 17, it says, Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Now, the first thing I want you to know that, that this doesn't mean that, uh, that you have to get rid of all your wealth. There's, God doesn't say anywhere that you can't be prosperous. There's this idea in, in early Christianity that the only way you could be super humble and super spiritual is if you got rid of everything and never bathed and you were super, super dirt, dirt poor and, and you know, that's how you proved you were humble by not having anything. But that's not the truth. God wants you to have stuff. God wants you to prosper. Matter of fact, I find it amazing that he says, honor me, honor me with a tenth and you can have the rest to do with whatever you will. You know, all he wants is a tenth, and the rest is yours. It's all his anyway. We're just watching it for him. He just says, you know what? Honor me with 10% of it. You get the rest. 
But it says, don't be considered to fix your hope on the uncertainty of riches. You know, riches are a fool thing to put your hope in. Money is one of the dumbest things that you can put your hope in. But what do you mean? Money is what we do everything with. It's how we buy stuff. It's, you know, tell the people that, uh, that just went through this economic crash in a lot, you know, five years ago. They had so much and now they have They put their trust. You know, there were people killing themselves, literally committing suicide because they lost so much money. They couldn't go on without their money. You know, if, if, if your faith is on anything but in God, it's going to fail you. If your faith is on your employer or that weekly paycheck, or your faith is in other people, then that they will, man will always fail you. Money will always fail you. God never will. If you trust God, he'll make all that stuff work out. And I don't say this just because I've read it. I mean, I've experienced this in my life. And I know many of you in this room have experienced the same thing as well. So continue to trust God. Because it's about where you put your hope and trust. And the truth is that, that God says that if you do that, He'll richly supply you, supply you with all things to enjoy. You know, it doesn't say God will give you just enough to get by. God's going to give you the bare minimum. You're going to be okay. But it says He'll richly supply you with all things to enjoy. That's all things. That's, that's, you're going to have great relationships. Financially, you'll be okay. Your health is going to be okay. Mentally, you're going to be okay. And it doesn't say the bare minimums, but it's to enjoy. And God loves you and wants you to enjoy this life that he's created for you. Amen. And in Proverbs 10.22, it says, It's the blessing of the Lord that makes rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. You know, this is where we're going to end today is uh, this, this idea that it's the blessing of the Lord that makes rich. You know, this is such a profound verse because in today's society, we see it more than ever. You know, stuff does not always equal a blessing from God. I think I've told the story before, but I find it so humorous about the couple that uh, was going out to, they were meeting with their financial advisor. They'd bought this new car and this car payment was tanking them. They, they couldn't make the car payment. And they're like, but... And, and the financial advice said, you've got to sell it. You have to get rid of this car. It is drowning you. And they're like, no, this car was from God. Like, what do you mean it was from God? God's the reason why we have this car. We prayed for it and we got this. Even the loan officer said it was a miracle we got this car. You know, and it wasn't from God. It wasn't a blessing to them. It was drowning them. All things that we, we get is not always a blessing from God. You know, look at all these stars that, uh, that have committed suicide because of the life that they're going through. I mean, Heath Ledger, who uh, I, I love him as an actor, but he killed himself. And why, like, why would he do that? He's got money. He's got, every, you know, he's got everything that this world says that he needs. Money, cars, nice house. He's famous. People love him. But he killed himself because something was missing. You know, it's the blessing of the Lord that makes rich. You know, the enemy can bless you as well. You know, there's, I mean, if you think about this, why wouldn't he give these, these famous people everything that they need so that way that young men and women get caught up in what they have and they're pulled away from God into all these things? The truth is that, that the enemy is using all this stuff to work against us as well. And we have to understand that all stuff is not blessing. Because if it doesn't make rich and it adds sorrow to your life, then it's not a blessing from God. Blessing doesn't cause pain. You know, if you got yourself into a house that you can't afford, that's not a blessing. That's adding sorrow to your life. But the truth is that, that when you're blessed by God, 
You'll continue to be rich from it. You're going to be blessed. It's not going to add pain to your life. It's actually going to add blessing. You're going to see that impact your life and other people's lives as well. I just thank God that, that He loves us. And He wants us to prosper. He wants us to be in good health. He wants us to be able to be a blessing to others as well. And like I said before, if God can get it through you, He'll get it to you. If you'll just be faithful to Him, He will be faithful to you. Amen. Amen. Let's go ahead and bow our head.